Chris Temple from the National Investor joining you once more and with me as always is Mickey Fulp, the mercenary geologist. We've had another topsy-turvy week in the markets this week and I don't remember who it is Mickey that makes this stuff but whoever's selling Dramamine these days really must be raking in the dough. Well it's called Gravol in Canada Okay. And so it happens on both sides of the border. <laughs> I suppose. Gold had its uh, worst week in almost a year this week. That it did. It lost $73 to close at 1810, down almost 4% on the week. Silver uh, broke through, broke down, capitulated, ended the week at 2105. It was below $21 for most of the day. That's down 5.7%. Platinum down 2.1% to 938, basically gave back all it gained last week. And palladium, always volatile at these elevated prices, closed at 1858, down 6% on the week. And really, this is because of a much stronger U.S. dollar, all commodities were down. Uh, Gold is pushing resistance at 1800 Wow. Uh, copper was down, but less bad, and it seemed to be a glimmer of hope today as the week ended, Mickey, that with China suggesting it's going to limp open uh, at least somewhat in the coming few weeks, maybe the worst of that problem for copper might be in the rearview mirror. Well, copper was down, and I really think what's going on with all the metals is basically the strong dollar right. everything's priced in dollars so um uh, copper on my board spot copper took a big hit at the end of the day i tended tend to ignore it when it does that uh because it's uh it's not a comex price uh, officially closed at 417 but on my board it, it dropped eight cents to close at 409 um Really, what's going on? Uh, it's corrected from its highs and what a 484, something like that, uh, in the end of last year. Inflation, recession concerns leading to demand concerns. Uh, the futures chart curve is pretty interesting, it flips back and forth bit by bit uh, between contango and backwardation out to about five months um, and also news from copper not good for copper supply right okay and natives are restless once again in southern peru uh las bombas they've uh basically trying to extort the company depending on where you read it uh, each family got about a half a million dollars for being relocated for the Las Bombas open pit and now they're claiming that was not enough and there's lots of stories about Peruvians going out and they're broke now wasted half a million bucks wow. per family yeah <laughs> so Crazy Resource situation. nationalism at its worst yep. oftentimes happens in Peru. 
Yeah, and it's going to, I think it's going to get worse elsewhere. That's one of the reasons why I think we're going to have chronic high prices for a lot of these commodities long term, notwithstanding what's going on right now, is that this, this kind of thing is going to happen in a lot of different places. Uh, look at what Mexico is trying to do with lithium, for example. Um, yeah, on, as, if, as yeah. if Mexico had world-class lithium deposits. <laughs> yeah, right. Joke, joke, joke. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know... Uh, Supply, demand, fundamentals. Yep. Moving on to energy, crude oil was all over the map this week, too, but it fought to a draw. That it did. Steady from last week, but pretty volatile. Up four cents today. Uh, Close at 110.33, a penny off last week's close. Uh, You know, basically what's happened, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve releases have backfired once again on Biden, just as they did the first time he tried this. Basically, uh, the government just goes sells oil at the market, so they made a bunch of money. Most of that oil was bought when uh, during the Trump administration, uh, right after the pandemic, they stocked up at $30 a barrel, so the government's been selling it at over $100 a barrel. The other news from the oil patch this week that was met with disdain uh biden administration canceled the scheduled anwar um leasing arctic national wildlife area uh supposedly because of disinterest well my point would be when you know you can't develop the land, they're going to come down on you with regulations and, and court challenges. Why would anybody bid on these leases? So uh, they're getting their wish, I guess. Uh, let's Very look true. at the numbers. Rigs plus nine production down 100,000 barrels, 11.8. Inventory soared this week to 8.5 million barrels, but we still got a long ways to go. Imports were down about a half a million barrels, but still uh, rounded up to about 6.3 million barrels per day. That remains high. Refineries at 15.6 million barrels a day remain flat. And gasoline hit an all-time new high this week at 4.33 per gallon. I'll tell you, it's it's uh, ridiculous when you look at the fact that we've had, what, no new refineries built in this country in how many years, Mickey? 30 or more. 30 now. or so years. And now the story this week with diesel, which is worse uh, situation than mm-hmm. gasoline. I mean, they're having to truck diesel from the upper Midwest area uh, to the Northeast. <laughs> so they're hauling it in tanker trucks, burning diesel to get diesel where you've got markets that don't have enough. I mean, it's just in, insanity. Um, same thing with natural gas, of course, too. We're exporting it. You know, we, we just kissed our world advantage of cheap, plentiful natural gas uh, good, goodbye. Uh, and that's that state. Well, the problem too. with natural gas, we've got too much in this country. We don't have pipelines to deliver it. We don't have uh, places to use it. So, in my opinion, the more LNG we can export, the better off we are. We've well, got, we're making money. You know, you're, you're flaring. You're flaring gas mm-hmm. willy-nilly in the Permian Basin because there's no demand for it. And what's gas here? Uh, 
I didn't see it this week, or it was around seven bucks a million BTU last week. And when you can sell it for uh, $35 as liquefied natural gas in Europe or Asia, that's economics. Well, it is, and a couple of the stocks I've recommended are, are making a lot of money on that, but I question our, our long-term game plan as a nation in doing that. But we'll have to discuss that another time. Uh, moving on to uranium, it got hit again this week, but managed to keep a five-handle barely. It was down 4 bucks to close at $50. Uh, Sprott Uranium Trust is now at 55.5 million pounds of uranium. I didn't have time to look into it i heard no significant news and the uranium patch this week but it was down uh, four and a quarter this week yeah the sprout fund though did have a nice pop you know things got so oversold even with uranium and uranium stocks that i think it was 12 or 14 percent below net asset value is what that sprout uranium mm -hmm. test got down to before the light bulb went off over some people said and said hey that's <laughs> stupid we got to buy this so moving on to the dollar, you mentioned that already. The dollar just, just keeps flexing its muscles. As we discussed before we started recording, uh, there's only one fiat currency in the world uh, worth owning, and that's the U.S. dollar. It has really served as a safe haven as the markets have melted down again this week. Uh, the other thing that came in as a safe haven this week was uh, U.S. Treasury bonds. So... Uh, Dollar closed at 104.56, up nine tenths of percent, and it is at a 19-year high. The euro, no surprise, closed at a 19-year low at 1.041 for a 1.4 percent loss. The loonie was also down. Um, it closed at 0.7739, and I think it's been well over a year since it's been that low. It lost uh, what, 22 basis points on the week. And the 10-year Treasury uh, came roaring back uh, with the interest rate concomitantly going down. It lost 19 basis points to close at 2.93%, basically on some comments that, that Pablo and Powell made yesterday. Yeah, well, before Pablo and Powell made those comments uh, telegraphing a recession, among other things, we hit uh, a new high going back well over a decade for that 10-year Treasury. It was, it was 320 early in the week, and I think the chatter over the weekend, Mickey, is going to be, is that a near-term top for Treasuries? Have we seen the peak in yields? Uh, because that represented a breakout of the last two peaks going back a decade and it couldn't mm -hmm. hold it on a weekly close so we'll see I, for sure i mean people are smelling uh the fed waited too long and now to tighten it all it's going to make a looming recession arguably worse uh, you look at the consumer sentiment numbers this morning abysmal way below what was expected so yes sir yeah so we'll see i mean you, you've said all along that we've got a choice of inflation or recession maybe we'll get some of both it's going forward who knows um but yeah the yeah, stock I think market, that's called stagflation stagflation right? <laughs> yep and we've, we've got a dose of that already moving on to the equity markets uh it was a topsy-turvy week the net losses but at least less bad as friday ended 
Yeah, it was really a brutal week on Wall Street. It, uh, but buyers came in today, and the markets were up strongly today, somewhere, uh, I think, over 2%. But there were some, well, Dow up 1.5% today. Uh, NASDAQ was up almost 4% today. Yeah. S&P 500 up 2% today but that didn't erase what happened in the earlier parts of the week and you already talked about consumer confidence it's it's an 11 year low that number came in today i think uh inflation uh was less than it was thought to be it came in at 8.1 percent and the market was expecting 8.4 and they're saying well that's part of the reason for the rally today well <laughs> Whatever, you know, talking heads got to find some reason for everything. And I guess we're talking heads, too. But these bad numbers uh, led to another bad week. Dow down seven seven weeks in a row, closed at 32,197. It's down 12% from its recent high at the end of the year or the beginning of this year of 36,800. S&P 500 closed down 2.4%, and it is down about 16% from its all-time high. The VIX came down today. Uh, Markets were a little less volatile. We were well above 30 all week until today at close. VIX closed at 28.9. So people are less fearful than they were (laughs) yesterday, let's say. Um, And NASDAQ, once again, the big loser, it closed at 11,805, down 2.8% on the week, despite that big game today. And if you look at the NASDAQ, just uh, year to date, it's down almost 25%. And if you would go back and look at its all-time high, you're probably uh, looking at more than 30%. Yep. So a really brutal week on Wall Street. Yeah. I guess about the one thing we can point out, and this is going to be a lot of chatter over the weekend too, especially with today's rally, is that we really haven't seen that run for the hills mentality quite yet. There finally in recent days has been news of a little bit of forced selling these uh, these cryptocurrencies and uh, stable coins, not so stable some of them. Uh, seem to have had uh, a knockoff effect on the markets uh, at their lows this week, that you had a lot of liquidation, feeding liquidation, and other asset classes. So whether that gets worse or not, I mean, there's there's lots of things out there that are happening underneath the surface, I think, Mickey, that we don't see as a lot of this liquidity unwinds. And a lot of that has to do with bots and algorithms. So yep. uh, these aren't real people trading in the market. A lot of it, that's right. Uh, venture exchange. Well over 80% of yeah. trades on in New York are, uh, are bots and algorithms. Yeah. So. so the venture exchange went from bad to worse. That was the most gruesome thing on our board this week. Well, it capitulated this week, no doubt. And... Uh, volumes are at rock bottom. We had one day this week where less than 30 million shares traded. So uh, we're in a no-bid paradigm, which we all often see uh, during the summer doldrums when in bear markets. Uh, but uh, I would suggest that this is a sell-and-may-and-go-away phenomenon, and people won't come back until Labor Day. And um, Junior portfolios got hit 
worse probably than everything else this week, but let's look at it this way. Uh, there's a flea from risk. This is a risk-off environment. What's the most risky stocks that you can play in the world? There's something listed, anything listed on Toronto Venture Exchange. These aren't real companies. They're total speculation. They don't have cash flow. They don't have, re- let alone, revenues. So uh, they're all speculations. You play, you play in this market, sometimes you're going to get burned. Yep, that is true. So you know we we talked. I don't. I'm not sure. I gave you the number. Close at six ninety seven, right. down nine and a half percent on the week. Yeah, gruesome. Uh, we talked about Powell earlier. You alluded to him. I alluded to him. Uh, he said, "Don't be surprised if we get a reset, a recession." But then again, it's not my fault because mm-hmm. it would be from things. That's out of not my what control. Biden says. <laughs> Biden's blaming Powell now. So, uh, yeah. So next week, I think we're going to look and see if gold's going to be able to hold at 1800 or it's going to break to the downside. Uh, we've got retail sales and industrial production in a fairly light week for U.S. metrics. And probably the big thing is either Tuesday or Wednesday, Powell is going to pontificate at the podium once again for some sort of Wall Street Journal conference and uh the guy's got a lot of ability to move markets right now, it seems. He does, and I, I, I think the markets themselves have proved a glutton for punishment, how somebody can be so spectacularly wrong for so long and still get the time of day. It tells you about the screwy world we live in. Well, and this started a long time ago. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's it not all, pal. We oh, had no. yet old Yeller before that and Helicopter <laughs> Ben before that, and... For the life of me right now, I can't remember the uh, Fed chairman that got us into this pickle in the first place uh, during the Bush administration with the housing bubble, which was no doubt originated after the dot-com bubble by uh, Greenspan. There was well, somebody Greenspan in gave between us both. there. Huh? Greenspan gave us both. The, yep. Yeah, the man never met an unregulated derivative he didn't like. Well... And it's pretty amazing because in his younger career, uh, before he became Fed chairman, he was a staunch libertarian, a an aficionado of Ayn Rand, and uh, very much a gold monetarist. Yep. So, <laughs> so much for that. <laughs> so much for that. Tur- tur- instead of all that, he turned into the mad monetary scientist of the ages. So what do we have uh, for our parting snark this week, Mickey? Well, we're going to that theme, and it's uh, so Biden playing the bank, blame game again on, uh, on inflation. So our, our question is, who's most to blame for our inflation, stagflation, shrinkflation nation? And your choices are the Biden administration, second choice, Powell, third choice Putin and your fourth choice is Congress uh, by textbook definition that's a slam dunk it's Powell well I'm going to say Biden because he blamed the other three <laughs> that's good I like that yeah not bad yeah it's all it's all Putin's fault makes it makes me uh, think of that uh, you've probably seen the same mem around that I have with two dogs with these uh 
uh, uh-oh look on our faces and they're looking up at their owner who just came in the door and said it's a good thing you're home the russians pooped in the hallway mm-hmm. <laughs> well so you blame putin before you blame Powell yesterday yeah and crazy crazy you know, crazy stuff. if if you look if you looked at that chart I sent you earlier, which is a plot of CPI yep. uh, over the last five years, basically from when Trump was elected until currently, uh, inflation was averaged 2.0% during the entire Trump era. It was 1.6 when Biden took office, and it skyrocketed since then. Yeah, yep. so, sure has. Hey, speaking of which... I'm going to be speaking in Vancouver on Tuesday at the Cambridge House Conference on the outlook for commodities and for subscribers. Uh, And all you have to do to be a subscriber is sign up on my website for free, and you can get through that with our Twitter feed. Uh, We're offering a 50% discount on your registration fee. Nice. Well, hopefully we'll get a good turnout out there. That'll be great. I'll be looking forward to hearing how that goes. No, it'll be thousands of people. Nice. Thanks, Mickey. Take care. Have a good time out there. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly is syndicated exclusively by our friends at Kitco.com. To keep up with Mickey Folk, visit him online at mercenarygeologist.com and on Twitter under at Mercenary Geo. Yours truly, Chris Temple, can be found at nationalinvestor.com and on Twitter, it's at Nat Investor. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with you again next week.